Hello and welcome to episode four of The Dangling Conversation, my brother and my podcast about the music of Simon and Garfunkel. Um, you left us in October 1966 with a discussion of Parsley, Sage, Rosemary and Time and you join us 18 months later on April the 3rd, 1968 for the release of Bookends. It's been a full-on 18 months um, in music. The Beatles have released Sgt Peppers, the Small Faces have released released Itchy Key Park. The Doors have released their eponymous album. Hendrix has released Are You Experienced? For the Four Tops have released Reach Out and The Velvet Underground have released The Velvet Underground and Nico. Oh, wow. Which was their debut record and has the best first song of a debut record ever, in my opinion, in Sunday Morning, which is beautiful yeah. and about paranoia when you're coming down yeah. from a big session. <laughs> it's a wonderful record. Um, it's been the Summer of Love in 1967. Timothy Leary's encouraged everyone to... Drop out, take a load of LSD, um, hate Ashbury in San Francisco is wild. But it's worth noting that in a further year's time, um, at the Altamont Speedway, the counterculture will erupt and end mm. abruptly mm. in rivers of blood and mm. misbehaviour with the Grateful Dead, refusing to play a concert that they've organised. In and around this period, some astonishing all-time classic films have been released. Cool Hand Luke, mm. Steve McQueen's released Bullet and the Thomas Crown Affair. Stanley Kubrick's made 2001 A Space Odyssey. Mm. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, The Odd Couple, these brilliant, hugely Superb. influential yeah, films. Um, and the record itself has been recorded uh, over three different windows of recording, which I'll talk more about later. Yeah. It's nine seconds short of half an hour long. Um, it hits the top of the charts in the US and the UK. It hits number three in France and Australia. It hits number 40 in Germany. Make of that what you will. Mm. And as a record, it's a really unusual piece. It's a, a portmanteau record, part... Concept album, part soundtrack, mm. part something else entirely. Mm. So to join me on an odyssey through this particular record, as ever, is my brother James. Hello, everybody. And I'm Michael, um, and welcome to episode four. So, James, mm. bookends. Bookends, well, here we are. Yeah, here we are. I mean, it, it, I, I didn't realise, actually, it was 18 months between um, those albums. I, I know we've discussed at length the fact that there's the graduate soundtrack in between, and we sort of debated on whether we should you know, do a podcast on that. We will come to that, but we'll do it later when we, mm-hmm. we did live albums and one thing and another. Um, yeah, I've been very excited to do this. Um, it's an exciting time in music. It's an exciting time in, you know, just culture generally when it comes out. Um, I mean, do you have any sort of initial thoughts that you wanted to put out or do you want to dive straight in? I want to dive straight in with a note that... Um, mm-hmm. It's really interesting to recognise that at this point in time, FM radio is coming into being and there's a three-minute rule on songs. Oh, OK. So FM radio doesn't want songs mm. to be more than three minutes long. Mm. Um, and one record, one of the uh, songs on this record is credited as being uh, two minutes, 74 seconds long, <laughs> which is actually, for anyone who's done some quick maths, three minutes and 14 seconds, um, which I love. It, it gives a, a sense, I think, of the... Um, the character of both Art Garfunkel and Paul Simon in terms of their uh, sense of mischief at times. But um, diving straight in, kid, we open with Bookend's theme. We do. So, I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a very brave opening for um, an album, a, a pop album or whatever. Like you said, this is coming on the back of Sgt Pepper, um, which you could loosely call a concept album, and I think we've discussed bookends is it's regarded as being a concept album. The reality of it is it's half. Half of it is a concept album. So if you if you sort of take side one, and we've we've invested in the vinyl this time, so we are listening to it as it as it was intended. Um, you've got it, it, it sort of from the first song to the last song on side one. You, it, it's telling this story. So so the bookends theme is a very gentle um, introduction. It, it, it kind of sneaks up on you. Um, it's a beautiful melody, we'll, we'll, we'll come back, um, which we'll come back to. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on it? It's great, it bookends, bookends mm. side one of the LP. Yeah. Your theme opens and closes it, as yep. I mentioned. Um, and the concept, in terms of the concept album, is a person's life, the the life cycle you have. Yeah. Um, and the first song of that cycle is Save the Life of My Child. Okay. 
which opens about. with a crash. Yeah. When you listen to the LP. It does, yeah, we've listened to it and it, it really does. It absolutely leaps out of the speakers at you, actually, mm. that. I know you've had a little investigators to the genesis of this song, what is it, or what it's about. Um... Yeah, so I was listening to it. It was a song I wasn't particularly familiar with. Um, and I was I was listening to the lyrics particularly. Mm. Um, and the final uh, verse discusses... So it's a song about suicide. And Save the Life of My Child is what a mother shouts yeah. to uh, the crowd, the police officers, as a guy stands on a ledge threatening to jump. Wow. Um, and the final verse discusses uh, that the crowd begin to cheer... Mm. Um, in the atmosphere of a freaky holiday, is the exact words. Mm. And I was looking into this, okay. and there is um, a journal, the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, had an article in 1981 entitled Debating Crowd in Episodes of Threatened Suicide, in which it looked at 21 cases of threatened suicide and found that in 10, the crowd began to bait the person to jump, um, and oh. that there were characteristics of the crowd when that happened, that it would be at night, that it would be a large crowd, a fair distance from the jumper, and the temperature was always warm. All of those factors de-individuating people. Okay. Right. Um, yeah, and I just sure. found it fascinating that 13 years prior to that yeah. piece of scholarly writing, yeah. Paul Simon has identified at the end of this song that that happens. Um, and it feels like that. I mean, you, really, you, you were right in there. You know, yeah. you feel like that. You can feel, I think you can feel the heat coming off the streets. You can feel the, the tension and, and, and the, 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 the distraction. It's really well put across. I mean, it's, I, I think I'm right. It's, it's not really one of their best-known songs. In fact, do you remember we did it? We were playing about doing playlists a while back, and I, I put it on one top five Paul Simon songs that no one knows. Yeah, Whatever yeah. Thing, something like that. And I put it on there. Um, because it's actually a beautiful song, melodically, um, and the chords at the at the outset um, then repeat. So on the outro, on the uh, Oh My Grace, I've No Hiding Place, this is a completely different melody, but it's played over the exact same chords. So you've got two really, I think, really beautiful pieces of melody, um, the Save the Life of My Child and the Oh My Grace, but they're completely different. Mm. But again, they, they, they bookend that song. Yeah. But actually, the way it's produced and the way it's put together, you have lots of different soundscapes. I mean, you can see that there's, a, there's more, there's more availability, there's more money to spend, there's more time to spend on it. But it's used in a really interesting way, you know, because I, I, I think it, rather than a, a sort of a written song and I'm, I'm, there we go, I'm singing and performing it and playing it, this is where you're actually tr you're trying to create, a, it's, it's more sort of cinematic almost. Um, I know that it's, 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 it's the, it's the concept album is talking about the life cycle and I understand that the title has the word child in it, but I, I do wonder to what extent it, it it's... I mean, it feels like early life to me in terms of teen angst. Right, so okay. So it's a right. teenager right, struggling sense, and right. I think it's prescient in terms of the discussion of male mental health. I think it's also interesting mm, that oh, definitely. Um, male suicide is a theme that we return to in the podcast as Paul Simon returns to it in his writing, yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it um, is. But also in terms of the fact that as a concept album around life cycle, it, life cycle, it talks a lot about disaffection. Mm. It talks about people who are unhappy, uncomfortable. Yeah, so on the edges. Okay, so it's it's life cycle, but it's 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 almost the anxieties or the difficulties or or, or whatever that you have at, at any at any of those given times. So teenage angst or, yeah. or middle age angst or whatever it may be. Is that a sign of the times? Is he writing that because of the times he's in? Because it's so. I mean, there's paranoia in the air. It's 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 a it's one of the it's a, a tumultuous year in in America. You know, I think. You can see in the explosion of the counterculture mm. in Haight-Bexbury, in San Francisco, mm. hippie culture, mm. that there is suddenly a lack of clarity on, on roles in the 60s. Yep. That the, the staid and classic roles that people had to live to in the pre-war eras have been exploded to some degree. And that actually there is, is wealth, um, and with wealth comes disaffection, mm. and with disaffection comes different aspects of culture, which is both positive and negative of course of course but you're obviously with the civil rights struggle you've got Vietnam you've got these things really ramping up like you say and you've got the, the counterculture we've got the kickback against it you know Nixon 
the, a lot of the Republicans and things like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's tense, whatever way you look at it, it's a tense time. And I think somebody like Paul Simon is looking at it. I don't know, I feel like, um, he, I feel like he's not an observer in this song in the same way he, he, he could be in certain ones, if you see what I mean. He's telling the story, he's, he is, it's written as he's an observer, but I feel mm. more like he's, he, he's invested in it actually. You know, the way it's performed and sung and the production of it particularly, I think it feels quite, actually quite personal. Yeah. Do you know what it's not you know what I mean by that it's not it's not it doesn't seem, it's not it's not that once removed that uh, dangling conversation has yeah it, it actually feels like that you know they're in it they're on the street you know and he's he's, he's sort of reporting it's like a, a 3D you know like virtual reality it's like that like <laughs> you're is. in the middle of it rather than just reading about it yeah absolutely it's a great song yeah it is actually, actually yeah. I think I've found it the more I've listened to it the more I find it rewarding there's uh, a lot there yeah I, no I agree I, I mean I it could my sort of biggest problem with it is not long enough. No. I would, I would, I could listen to that on my Gray's part, and I could, you know, a lot more. We need to mention the fact that the ghostly mm-hmm. "Hello, Darkness, My Old Friend" comes in. Yeah, about halfway through. Yeah, do we know what, why, what the thinking is with that? What that represents? I, I mean, as I read it, it's it's a callback. Um, yeah, and it is again talking about if the words of the prophets are written on the subway halls mm. we're talking about disaffected people mm. writing mm. graffiti okay. so it's 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 a call back to that disaffection it's a call back to the underlying yeah, yeah. unpleasantness yeah of, I, of experience for some people yes yeah, that's right but the way it's kind of disembodied it sounds quite sinister actually and it's sort of it's you know it's yeah it's disembodied set back slightly in the sound i think if you i always think about this if you were stoned listening to it mm. um which you know, most people would be when it first came out. It's really, I mean, it's it's almost it's unpleasant. It's unpleasant. Yeah, it's almost sort of, I don't know. But if you're a Simon and Garfunkel fan and that's your favourite song, which realistically it could be, and you buy this and that happens, it comes in in that. It's it, it's it's a statement. You know, this, we're not we're not what we were. We're not what you think we are. Yeah, and also that song isn't what you think it is. No, it's not. We've added some electric guitars and now it's a number one hit. It's not a pop record. It's a pop record. It's not a pop record. Right. Right. Do you, yeah, completely. You know, yeah, yeah, thematically. Completely. completely. Um, and I think perhaps that there's an element of trying to signpost that. Yeah. Revisit that song now. Now you've heard this yeah. about a guy jumping off a ledge and killing himself, being baited by a crowd. Yeah. Now go revisit that record. Mm. It's probably the first of ours you heard. Yeah. And hear what we were saying now. Okay. Yeah. No, that's good. I mean, in terms of The Graduate um, and, and the soundtrack, obviously, that went in, I, I think... Because I, I, as I was saying to you, the more I've listened to bookends, the more I've found that actually the, so much of it is influenced by Anchored Around the Graduate soundtrack and the mm. film. I wonder if that kind of cinematic effect that they're going for, you know, happens there because it's much more of a record. I know that without presaging what they'll go on to do, this is much more of a, a you know, it's, a, this, it's production. Yeah. You know, there's far more to it um, than... Uh, just the song or the song with embellishments. I mean, it, it is very much the production as parts in it where, you know, the voices drop out completely and it's, it's soundscape. Um, yeah, so... Uh, Worth mentioning mm. that, for those who don't know at this stage, that the second half of the concept album, of we, as we've termed it, is a lot of songs taken from the soundtrack. Yeah, or to the graduate. Yeah, or, 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 or didn't make the grade for. Or didn't make the grade. Yeah. So that will be the reason that will be part of this conversation this will, dangling conversation yeah, is that um, that's what the second half is but yeah. then we we jump forward from Save the Life of My Child mm. to a song that's always felt to me about people in their early 20s yeah um, America mm. oh I mean it's you know yeah okay so now we, we, we're talking this is it's one of the best songs I think ever written um, it's so evocative we we go back. We mentioned that, that Kathy, yes, reappears. She does. Hello, Kathy. Hello, Kathy. Uh, it, I mean, I think I don't know if we got to say what it won't have been when it came out. How you know how how it sort of seemed then. I mean, it's obviously it's so nostalgic, and it's so um, you know the possibilities and the they start off on the journey. It's quite light hearted. We marry mm. our fortunes together. You know, obviously we're both skinned. But I've got my real estate's here in my bag. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know. Uh, and and they go on the journey and it's you know you could just sort of picture it. I always imagine Catherine Ross actually who was in the graduate. I always picture her, kind of 
and a bit sort of hazy sunshine on the silver greyhound bus, you know, travelling, they run out of cigarettes. And, um, the overall effect of it is, I think one of the famous things about it is that there's no, there's no rhymes in it. Mm. I don't think there's a single rhyme in it, which is very unusual and also very clever. You know, yeah, to do that, because you don't notice it, you know, you don't, it's, it's not like it keeps setting up nearly rhymes and swerving them, it's just, you know, It just beautiful. doesn't happen. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. One of the things I really love about it is, is it works, it's fractal, it works on loads of different levels, so the okay. more you look at it, the more it works, and yeah. if you look at it from a really wide sense, mm-hmm. you know, it's about, you can say, well, it's literally called America, yeah. and it's a metaphor mm. for the whole country feeling lost for all the reasons we've discussed, yeah. at the same time... Which, got, it, which it is, I think, I, yeah. I really think it is. When you yeah. zoom all the way in yeah. to the middle verse, which is laughing on the bus, playing games with the faces... She said the man in the gabardine coat was a spy. I, said I have to be came. careful, his bow tie is really a camera. And yeah. the way that captures those moments of joy mm. in a relationship, mm. the way two people who are on a boring, long you know, bus journey having existential doubts about the meaning of absolutely everything mm. still have time mm. to play and laugh and joke, I think that's just exquisitely written. Yeah, I completely agree. It's cinematic again. Mm. You know, I think it, it's really got that kind of feel to it. Um, also, as a writer, he, Paul Simon, Gabardine, mm. is not a word you'll find no. anywhere else. No, no, and it's not. No. Crinoline, yep. his use of obscure materials S- in songwriting. Saginaw. Is, yeah, is, is unsurpassed. Just amazing. Um, I mean... I've read about it and Mrs. Wagner's pies. Apparently, Mrs. Wagner's pies they closed in you know not that long after, but they yeah. were just a thing there. But it seems so so obvious. But actually, again, if you if you look at that fresh eyes, it's, it's not really not an obvious lyric to no. you know to put no, in. No, no. Um, he quotes he quotes himself. You know, Kathy, I said, as we boarded the Greyhound in Pittsburgh. You know, it, it there's a sadness to it. Oh, I, I think it's really interesting as you come to the last verse, how this nice story, this thing, Kathy, I'm lost. I said though I knew she was sleeping. Mm. I'm empty and aching, and no, I, I don't, don't know, know why. why. It's it's again, and it speaks to in this instance male disaffection, male doubt, that that inability to articulate those mm. concerns mm. in a real way, but to someone who's sleeping, it speaks to. I'm empty and aching and I don't know why. Mm. I don't know what to do. It's it's Absolutely. depression, yeah, no, it's, it's disaffection. Yeah, it it's is. really it's consistent with that. Yeah, and but it's it, really but it's, powerful. But it's broader than that. So you can, like you say, you can. It, it, it's not just that. Yeah. You, you're absolutely right. I forget the word you use, but it's it, it's it works on lots of levels in yeah. that in that regard. I think musically, it's absolutely spectacular. I mean, oh, it's, it's yeah. really and it's sung brilliantly. Oh, I mean that the, the, the harmony at the end. The segment of all come to look for America that art does over the top is is one of the best things in their entire canon. I think, um, yeah, it's just, it's just it's an absolutely it's an amazing song, um, and I think that I remember when we when I went to America and we we went through we drove actually we went to see art, yeah, but we went on the bus from Manhattan to we went to New Jersey to Fairlawns. Obviously, we went through we drove through the New Jersey Turnpike, you know. Um, and it's an it's a intersection of roads, but so so meaningful and evocative. You know? Well, I always found I loved and still do the Sopranos. Oh, that opening sequence as yeah, Tony yeah, drives yeah. down the New Jersey Turnpike. Of and does. puts me in mind of America. And I think it's really conscious that that he is a disaffected, doubting middle-aged man going to therapy. I don't think it's a coincidence no. that they set it with him. On the New Jersey Turnpike, no. unsure, looking for what the American dream is yeah, a mafioso. No. It's just, I think it's very, yeah, no, yeah. But when I got a lift back from that same gear, Crystal and I got a lift back, the guy who gave us a lift drove us past where they filmed The Sopranos. <laughs> yeah. That's reminding me, I've forgotten yeah. that. Yeah, and he drove us past yeah. and he gave us a lift back. Um, you know, a nice guy he was. So, yeah, you're right. I think it's fantastic. I mean, I almost with, with, with America, but there's a few songs I suspect this will happen with Bridge Over Trouble Water. I, I think so much about it. I have so many feelings about it. So I'm almost don't know where to start. Yeah. I feel on safer ground. Ones, it's so it's so big. You know, it's such an important. I also thing. think part of that is knowing that for most people, they will have an opinion. They'll have a take on it. And mm. sometimes, sometimes, not always, but sometimes, if you misheard a lyric, 
or you slightly misunderstood a record, but it retains a huge amount of emotional feeling for you. You don't mm. want to explode that. No. I'm sure it's happened to almost everyone at one point or another. You yeah. think something means something it doesn't. Yeah. When you find out, it, yeah. you still love it, but it's not quite the same. No, you're quite right. And sometimes things, you know, it's very important, especially with anything, with, with music, for it to just be. You know, you don't yeah. want to overthink about how how it's come together. It's just, that, that's how it is. You know? Definitely so, don't want to overthink it. That would be a shame for people to, for example, make podcasts exploding oh, songs. God, yeah. yeah. That would be awful. Yeah, <laughs> right. Good so, job nobody listens to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I, at that point, I have to say that that's a killer opening to the album. It is. It is. There's, there's one other thing. It mm. is a wonderful opening to mm. the album. And there's one other thing I'd like to hit on. I was listening to uh, a podcast called Broken Record, hosted by Malcolm Gladwell. Um, in an episode about the Nashville in the late 1960s with the recalibration of country music and the change in style. It's got Bobby Braddock and a couple of other guys in. Yeah. And they're talking about it. And they said, they say, well, they love listening to the Beatles and the Stones and Paul Simon and blah. But they describe all of their songwriting as emotion, emotion, emotion. And they said that the Nashville template was to be storytellers. And I think this is, it was really interesting to me to hear that because particularly in America, which is a piece of storytelling, and it could be a piece of country music. It's got, mm. it's it's got specified it, detail, yeah. it's a journey, mm. it's people together in love. There's lots of the, the quotes of Kathy Lost. That's exactly. very There's lots of things from country in there. And I thought it was really interesting how for country music, their perception of themselves is that they're the storytellers and other people are working in emotion, and it's not the case, and how those perceptions don't yeah. line up. And... I think that there's an interesting thing there around Simon and Garfunkel, who are fundamentally one of the biggest pop acts in the world, mm. are writing a concept album, mm. half a concept album, mm. about disaffection and depression. Yeah. And so there's this huge perception gap. I'm not sure that everyone's hearing the songs as they're intended. I, I think they're going, oh, wow, look, America, yeah. wow, amazing song. Yeah. About, and Mr. Robinson, wow, an amazing song. Yeah. Rather than hearing necessarily what Paul Simon is trying to do with them. I think you're absolutely right. I, I, I think it's extraordinary that anybody could listen to Beatles, Paul McCartney to, and, and yeah. Paul Simon and, and think that they're not telling stories. I mean, it's completely fundamental to I know, I was just writing, when I heard you know, it. And it was literally, they get knocked for, for doing Paul McCartney's case, he gets knocked for doing that, you know, yeah. make up their voice stories. Yeah, it was interesting. It wasn't challenged in, in Broken Record, which is not to, it's a wonderful no, podcast if you care to listen to it. But, yeah, I should before that, I judge on it. But, but perception yeah. gap. Yeah, it's between a, things. It's a very interesting point, and I think, yeah, you're right, because then, then you have um I'm Penny Lane. Yeah, yeah, Lena Rigby. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean we're careful because we could just spend mm. the next time. Um but you're absolutely right, and I think that that's very interesting in terms of the perception of and also what they're what they're putting out. Because if you are if you think about it, you're just trying to express yourself, but then you're you're aware that, right, this is gonna be heard by X million people. And it's going to be, you know, exist forever, and it's going to be, a, you know, a statement. I mean, it must be very difficult to be creative in that that regard. Yeah. But the the temptation to view yourself in the third person and look outside of it, and how will it be perceived, and not all the rest. There's so many difficulties, and I know that Paul Simon got had writer's block around this time. Yep. I'm not surprised. I'm really not surprised. <laughs> no. um, you know, I think that that must have been very difficult. And I think, as you've rightly said, you can hear from a lot of these. Songs that you know things aren't so straightforward. I mean, I, I've mentioned it before, but I know there's that story about when they first heard that they were number one and they were sat in the car together, the two of them. And they were just sat in, in, in the car outside of their childhood home and they said, and The number one record is, you know, Simon and Garfunkel. And Art turned to Paul and says, Wow, I bet those guys, those two guys are having a good time. You know, they were just <laughs> sat in the car. This is just, and I think there's an element of that, you know, if you do get to that point and you, oh, yes, everything, we're, we're brilliant, we're, you know. But actually, still you. You still have your own insecurities. Your mm. own—they're probably magnified. I think you can hear a lot of that actually on, on this record. Mm. Um, yeah. And so we move from America, to, track four overs, which opens, with the striking of a match, uh, which is a great opening, and unfortunately, for me, mm. kind of goes downhill from there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is one I think I'm right in saying was written to order. So Mike Nichols, who directed The Graduate, when he was making The Graduate, was using existing Simon and Garfunkel songs as placeholders mm -hmm. uh, in the soundtrack. So that, we'll use Sound Science there for now. 
came to realise that actually, you know, it needs to be those songs, um, but needed a few extra. So I approached the two of them and, 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 and discussed it and then sort of said, right, you know, look, could you could you write some additional songs? So Paul Simon went away and wrote, and this is one of the ones that, that he came back with. That was, um, you know, not, not used, or that's Max, well, actually that's not really what I had in mind mm. and use Scarborough Fair instead or whatever. I can understand, it must have been hard to take for Paul Simon, I can understand why Mike Nichols said that. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, to me it is, uh, it's, it's a rewrite of the dangling conversation without the sophistication. It is. It, it's one of the few times where, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's, it's a perfectly good song in, in, in that sense, but it's it, trying too hard. It sounds like it's written to order. Um, I, w- I would have had Art sing it as well. The, the one bit yeah. I like is when it comes. I would have if he was going to. I, I just it just doesn't you know. It's 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 obvious as well. It's, which is un- unlike Paul Simon. It's That's very obvious. How for him. you know it's to order? Mm. It's underwritten. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's underwritten. So everything is there and obvious. And there's not things where you unpick it and unpick it and unpick it, and you still don't know if you've got to his meaning. No, no. it just doesn't have that. It it is the dangling conversation, but. Yeah. Without the joy of the dangling conversation, but just without the sophistication of the thought. I mean, I, yeah, it's. I mean, obviously, you know how good he is when this is what passes for a bad song for him because it's a very good song, but for him in the context of this album and them at that time, yeah. it's not certainly not one of my favourites. I would never go on a uh, a playlist or whatever, you know. And so, if he did, I would skip over it. I was going to say we're completely over that. I'm <laughs> so annoyed I didn't jump in. <laughs> um, and then. Possibly the most unusual minute and a half of music on a Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel record, would you say? Yeah, well, it, must be. Yeah, it must be. I mean, it must be. It, it, you know, can't not be, can it? Which is, for those of you who've never heard it, um, a selection of... Well, if you like, as, according to the back of the album, Art Garfunkel recorded old people in various locations in New York and Los Angeles over a period of several months. These voices were taken from those tapes. We wish to thank the United Home for Aged Hebrews and the California Home for the Aged uh, at Rosata for their cooperation. And it has a level of profundity and it has... It's, it's well made. Mm. It's lightly humorous. Mm. Um, but. There's a but. But, yeah. but it works if you're making a concept album. About a life cycle. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily work on a pop record. And as we know, this is half a concept album and half other bits, a portmanteau of whole things. So in the context of this being snippets, yeah. it works. Yeah. But it's just not what you're coming to a Simon and Garfunkel record for. No, of course not. I, absolutely. I mean, it's it, yeah, of course not. It's, it's very much in the context. You'd only listen to it in the context of listening to bookends. This is an album. I, I mean, I have... I always struggle with... Anything that, that that's sort of you know speech, like I said before, if you listen to live albums and even when the patter between the songs is really good, it does become yeah. you can't really listen to it. it. You know, there's an element of that with it. I do think as a period piece, it works really well. Mm-hmm. I think that the people, the voices on it, the voices of old people, especially from our vantage point. So so it's now uh, January twenty nineteen. So you're talking voices of old people, that's people that were old in 1967, 1968. Yeah, so it's, it's quite some time ago. So there would have been, you know, there, there would have been well over 100 now, whatever. So it's it's interesting in that regard. And there's a few things that are said in it. I find it quite moving where the guy says about, I have to be old. It's just the way it is. I can't, I, you know, I can't be, I can't be young. It's just the way it is now. Something, I mean, I know it's quite obvious, but I find that quite moving. Especially when I'm thinking of, um, Simon and Garfunkel because I'm aware of obviously the age they are now as we speak so I, although at this point we're trying to do it in real time but they're you know I'm, I'm aware of that as well so the, so um, I find it yeah I find it quite sort of moving like that although although as a coder to a full record mm. about a life mm. it would be I would have different feelings about it mm. three quarters of the way through side one feels a really unusual place to have it. So what you're saying is then, if it, if the concept album was actually a full album... Fully realised, mm. and you finished, mm. and 
there's the last track ended, you have a few moments of silence and then the voices of old people talking mm. to you as a 20-something listening oh, to the album okay, for the first yeah, time. Yeah, well, as, yeah. a, as, as a... So yeah. I've taken you through your life and now this is how the end of life sounds. You're yeah. worrying about how bad your cold is. You worry, you know, mm. things have changed again. I, I yeah, think I maintain, different. strongly maintain. Yeah. This is not an ordinary cold. Yeah, exactly, exactly, mm. exactly. Um, I think that it would be different. Although... I, I, yeah, I, 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 I sort of thought, I thought, I must admit, when you get these ideas when you first come into it, and I kind of thought to myself, hmm, yeah, that's, you know, quite sure about that bit, but I actually really, I don't, in, the con, in the context of it, it really works for me. I prefer that to overs, that is, is, the, is the truth. Although, I did like what you just said, where if it had come at the end, it could have, you know, yeah, yeah I, I, I can see that, and I certainly, I can see that there's an argument for, well, of course, the other thing is, I think we can tell from this and with him having writer's block and so on, that actually filling an album, because yeah. you, you, ha- you know, I think that that may be a problem. I, I think if, do you know what I mean? I think if there was a few more songs kicking about, it probably would have got bumped or put at the end. I, I don't know that there was. Yeah, and as mentioned, it's 29 minutes, 51 seconds long. You've got bookends theme in slightly different forms twice. Mm-hmm. You've got voices of old people. You have. You've got music recycled from other sources. It's very well, clear. Well, you've got Hazy Shade of Winter, which was, it, which was a single in mid to late 66. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's really quite some time before. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, you're right. But that then, so that then leads into... Old Friends. Yep. Wonderful song. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's unusual, um, and I I love the imagery and the lyrics, mm. and the sounds of the city sifting through trees, settle like dust on the shoulders of the old friends. No, that's it's, just beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely, absolutely beautiful. Gorgeous. Now, you know that that's, that's it is the old friends, winter companions, the old men. I think yeah, it is. It's absolutely gorgeous. It, it's beautifully sung. I mean, it's a song that reappears for them throughout the career and mm. it becomes the title of a, a, of a tour and, and so on and so forth. It's really, you know, it's meaningful. I, there's a version of them singing it together in 1977 mm-hmm. uh, on maybe on Saturday Night Live or whatever. That's just lovely. There's something very satisfying about watching the two of them sit down yeah. to sing that, you know, and harmony comes in. Yeah, I think it's a lovely song. I, I, I mentioned to you before that I think that... I don't know how, but how to sort of put this. I don't want to say it's overproduced at the end, but it's just, it's just a little. It's what I always find it's just a little bit too much. I don't know whether it goes on for 10, 10 20 seconds too long with the you know the build, bit. yep, and or, or that it's the instrumentation used with too many strings. It's just it's a little bit sharp. I just I, I always find myself, you know, I'm just thinking that that could just you know, it could just be pared back. It just stops me from being completely effusive about yeah. it. I mean, it's a, it's a minor thing, but I prefer, what well, I'm trying to say, I prefer the versions where it doesn't suddenly have the orchestration come in. Yeah. I prefer just the song. But in the context of this album, yeah. if that's the end of the life cycle, yeah. it needs to be justified by something enormous. It does, and also if you if you have the the time, the money, and the and the, the opportunity, and you've done There's that, that too. It's, then it's, it's, you know, it's absolutely... It's justifiable. It's a, very much a personal tasting. I don't think that it. It's not a misstep in the sense of of well, that doesn't make sense. It's just, I just not you know, not quite like that bit. That's all. I just wish that was shortened. But I'm nitpicking. And then it jumps straight back in to end the side one of yeah. the LP bookend theme. This time with some words over it. Yeah. Which are. I find quite powerful. Yeah, I so do. So wistful and longing. I and, do. Um, long ago it must be I have a photograph preserve your memories they're all that's left here mm. I, yeah it was I, time it was what a time it was a time of innocence a time of confidences yeah long ago it is it's absolutely yeah. exquisite I mean it appears on lots of compilations um, I really I, I love those two I would always have I think I think the old friends bookends you know sort of old friends slash bookends th- those two absolutely yeah fundamental to the, to their canon and I think they're fantastic with the but I just wish it yeah, you know yeah. what I mean but yeah that, brilliant so that ends 
So we lift the needle. Yeah. Flip the vinyl. Yeah. Get it running. Yeah. Put it back down. Mm-hmm. And launch straight into faking, faking it. it. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Thoughts? Um. Yeah, it's a song that I like, and I've never really given it detailed thought. Mm. It's a song that I know from bookends. It's a song that rocks up on compilations. It's a song that when it comes on, you sing along to. I never really questioned it. It's never done enough for me for me to yeah go I, deep in it. Yeah, I I, I think it's just, I was slightly after the Lord Mayor's show about this song, and yeah. I think that it's the same. There's certain Beatles ones that so you get Sergeant Pepper, and then. Then before you go, like, Baby, You're a Rich Man, and a few others did it, great songs or whatever, but they're not, you know, they, they're just sort of slightly lost yeah. in, in the overall canon, and I think that's the case with, with Faking It. I don't think it ever really appears on much compilations, like you say. Actually, having listened to it, and, and, and listened to it for this, I think it's really quite a personal song for you. It and it fits, interestingly, fits the theme, the themes of side one. Yeah, it does. I would have rather have had that instead of overs. I'd have put that on side one. So I think the problem is that because on side one he's trying to move chronologically through, mm. overs is early middle age and a dissolving marriage. Mm. Faking it still feels like late 20s, 30s. Mm. So I think that it doesn't mm. because it doesn't fit the time frame, which is a shame. It just is a shame. Yeah, it was. I mean, I remember reading a book on it as well, and it turns out that his his predecessors, because he says about being a tailor, look at me, I must have yeah. been a tailor for tailor's face and hands, and 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 a few generations back, he he, he was, you know, yeah. his family was, so which he hadn't known at the time. I think, um, yeah, it's 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 a good song. It's, it's it's well produced. It sounds to me the production sounds to me like say the life of my child. I made that John Simon. I think it might be recorded with him. I think the influence he had, it's very it's quite different to with the Roy Halley stuff. So I think that um it sort of fits in there. Uh, Save the life of my child and faking it sound like they're off the same album. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um but yeah, I don't I don't have a I don't have a massive amount else to say on it actually. No. No, me neither. It's um yeah. Fun. Yeah, it is, but you know. Um Punky's Dilemma, on the other hand, Again, I would have said felt into that category. Actually, I think it's it's um, it's quite it's warm. It's really uh, it's perfect for the graduate. Yeah, that should play when he's in the swimming pool or or something in the, in in the film in the graduate. God knows why they didn't no. take it. It's, it's perfect for it. They fiddled over fifty hours in the studio playing at this. Fifty really? hours to get this to where they wanted it for the record. Okay, which is. I think again, indicative of, of of people not at ease with their music writers block, the writing to order from Mike Nichols that it's almost like we're not giving this one away, and I'm over. I'm, I'm now controlling what I can control. Yeah, I think to that's the nth yeah. degree. Yeah, I think that sounds exactly right. And uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, you know, once you, you you're away, you've got this massive audience and so on, and you would you would become a bit more obsessive. Um, I must say, I love the title, Punky's Dilemma. Yeah, it's a it's a great title. Yeah, I mean, I I sort of, you know, I just thought when I when I initially heard it, I just thought, oh, he's just doing it, you know, th- trying to throw out sort of random things, you know, that mock psychedelia. But of course, it's not. It's really talking to a raisin who, you know, a heavily suntanned yeah. LA guy who occasionally plays LA, casually glancing at his toupee. You know, I, I, yeah, I, I think I basically come to. I really like it, and I like the bit where it says, "By becoming uh, best wishes, Martin." Uh, yeah. Um, they 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 whistle. Yeah, they whistle. I don't know. Yeah, but I like I won't try and do it, but I really like the tune there. So yeah, I I, I um I think it's a good song. It, it is, is a good song. song. It reminds me a little bit of Cloudy. Oh yeah, never thought that before. Very similar to yeah. Cloudy. Yeah, it does. And from there, move on to a song that I assume most people will be deeply familiar. with Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In there. In the guise of Mrs. Robinson. Yeah. So they were talking about trying to get songs for the, for the Graduate soundtrack. They were chatting with Mike Nichols and said, you know, have you, have you, have you got any more songs? And he said, well, you know, no, not really. And then Art says, well, you do have that one you've been playing about with um, Paul, you know, that uh, Mrs. Roosevelt. 
um, you know, about the sort of nostalgia song, you know, about Mrs. Roosevelt, former first lady, and it makes a song called what? <laughs> Mrs. Roosevelt? Well, Mrs. Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> and it was literally from that. And so the song changed from Mrs. Roosevelt, here's to you, Mrs. Roosevelt, to, to Mrs. Robinson. Mm-hmm. Um, it is obviously it's known from the graduate. It's one of, it won, I think it won the Grammy, did it for the song of the year in 68 or 69, to beat Hey Jude. You know, that sort of how it's massively successful. Was it their first, second number one, number one record? It's yeah. it's huge anyway, isn't it? Um, what's your sort of... It's one of those songs that I'm, you're so familiar with. Yeah. Like, so deeply yeah. familiar with. Yeah. That you... There's a bit of me that's reticent to peel back the... Layers of the onion too much. I was like about America, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In, in that it is. I think one of the things I love about it is the reference to Joe DiMaggio. Paul Simon, obviously, is a massive, massive baseball fan. Well, they both and, are. And art is too. Yeah. Um, mentioned before uh, the the references that will turn up to things repeating throughout. So in the obvious child and Paul Simon's solo canon. Um, and also uh, Night Game, off Still Crazy. Oh yeah, after all these years, yeah, really, yeah, 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 yeah. really kind of uh, overtly a song about baseball. But yeah. yeah, where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? Um, a nation turns its lonely eyes yeah. to you. Yeah. That's just fab. That's just fabulous writing. Full stop. No, my song, oh, yeah. fabulous writing, and he his name is so it's, it's so evocative. But him, even just the the way it flows, it's a cool name, Jolden Joe. Yeah, jo- well, and that was the thing. I, I, the same thing happened to me when with America that when I was much younger what's a turnpike what's a greyhound the greyhound what's a gabardine yeah (laughs) what are all of these things yeah absolutely Jolting Joe Mm. oh so he's a baseball pitcher yeah because again this predates you can't action yeah yeah, he's jerky and Jolting Joe Um, which is fabulous and I love those I guess you'd call them now if they were hidden in a computer game Things for you to find and indulge will be called Easter eggs. That's the term. Yeah, for. okay. So right. it's like it's the early form of Easter eggs in music. Yeah, you then, find those little things that you just yeah. go down the rabbit hole with, and you find something out about. And so for me, that's that's always my takeaway of this song. It's just those thoughts. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that they 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 met Joe DiMaggio and Paul Simon met. They were both in the same restaurant or whatever. You know, around this time, and when the song had come out and. Joe DiMaggio sort of says to him, well, you haven't gone anywhere. You're on about. He said, no, no. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm doing commercials. He was doing commercials. Yeah. I'm doing them commercials. I'm on the billboards. What are you on about? I haven't gone anywhere. He said, no, it's, I was using it as a, as a you know, because of, of course, talking about time past, we're talking yeah. about a lot of social changes. Where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? I think um, there's loads of absolutely great lyrics in it. Uh, going to the candidates debate. Yeah. Laugh about it, shout about it. When you got to choose, anyway, you look at this, you lose. I've heard Art do live, and he sort of goes, "Going to the candidates debate. Here we go again." Mike <laughs> on it, and it's. I mean, it's. It, Once we talk about this era and the phrase "the candidate," there's a Robert Redford film. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, really yeah, worth yeah. watching yeah, if you yeah, haven't yeah. seen it called absolutely. The it's absolutely valuable in fact it's good you mentioned Robert Redford because when they were talking about for the graduate who they were going to cast and it was the breakthrough role for Dustin Hoffman um, who who obviously did, did, a, did a fantastic job but amongst the many actors considered for the various scenes actually they have Robert Redford in Robert Redford read for the part um, of Benjamin and Mike Nichols is supposed to say, we can't cast this guy because he's, he's weight. He's, he's supposed to be struggling, you know, yeah. with, with women. But it's, just, it's, <laughs> it's Robert Redford. It's Robert Redford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 This isn't going to work. <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, I tell you, it was a great little story. But Mrs. Robinson, actually played by Anne Bancroft, who's only about six years older than Dustin Hoffman in real life, but they, you know, it becomes really famous. And the first time I heard it, was where it is sampled it is. on Too Funky by George Mike the Great, George Michael. Would you like me to seduce you? Yes. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Everybody wants to know. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, it is great. It is great. And then the Lemonheads, even Dando's band, did a uh, cover version of Mrs. Robinson in about 1992, something yeah. like that. So people of my age certainly would know it from that 
like uh, Guns N' Roses did a version of Live and Let Die, you know, this introduction to it, so it was known from that and it got, it got like a second line from it there. It's like a Bo Diddley riff, really funky, um, it's a great production, mm. it's a fantastic song, like you say, it's sort of so well known, you almost can't, you don't know where to start with it, you know, but the interesting thing on the Graduate soundtrack is it's, it hadn't been written. No. So he's but there's not actually any words to it. Yeah. And then he's gone back and and then he's um he's written that. I mean, a little bit about it for our files, it seems to be Mrs. Robinson's going to some sort of sanatorium. Um there's all sorts going on. I know Frank Sinatra did a version of it and he changed the lyrics. He did want to say Jesus loves you more than you so he changed it to the name of his bartender, his favourite bartender, his name escapes me now, but it was like, you know. Sammy loves you more than you all know or something like that yeah so yeah yeah, great song I mean I I have to say I've enjoyed side two more than I enjoyed side one when we come to listen to this and I didn't expect that and for me the next track following Mrs Robinson on side two is A Hazy Shade of Winter Mm. which is a track I love yeah it's fantastic just love love it great record yep just comes in grabs you does its thing, yeah. leaves again. Yeah, it does. Like, oh, great. Yeah. That, that, was that little breath at the end. Yeah. It yeah. does that. I mean, I would say, though, that this Hazy Shade of Winter sounds like what it is, which is a big hit song from 1966. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, it's yes. It's really yes. quite different. It's, it's, it's a struggle to have it on the same album as some of the other ones. Not because you can't have a variety, but, but just because there's, you know, there's just a difference in it. As I say, it's, 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 his writing's evolved. Um, but yeah, it's an absolutely great song. But it, and it also is <clears throat> someone who's fallen on incredibly hard times. Um, when I looked around for my possibilities, I was so hard to please. But look around, leaves a brown. Hear the Salvation Army band. Carry your cup in your hand. Is he? This is. Is he? I remember you said on one of the other podcasts about when he wrote "I Am a Rock" and he yeah. was still carrying around a lot of that sort of. The, I mean, it, it sounds to me of a piece with that. I think Hazy Shade Winter and I Am a Rock are, are, are quite alike. Absolutely. It always feels to me like it's. Um, it feels like it's about a veteran, always. The military veteran. Oh, okay, yeah. With the Salvation Army band, carrying his cup in his hand, looking back on his life, wondering about his choices. Oh, Christ, um, yeah, of course it but if your hopes should pass away, simply pretend that you can build them again. Look around, the grass is high, the fields are ripe, it's the springtime of my life. Yeah. But it, and it's, like, it's almost like, a, mm. I don't know, maybe like a, a conversation about PSD. Mm. Maybe I'm reading too many things into the kind of mental health themes around it, but it feels like someone who is come back potentially from war is really struggling is listening to the Salvation Army band mm. and begging yeah. and, and, and forcing themselves to say if you pretend mm. if you build it they will come mm. if you just tell yourself it and pretend it it mm. will happen mm. yeah maybe so yeah, right. I mean it's a hazy shade of winter the, the word winter is quite powerful there I think it it's is. Still, I look around leaves are brown that's yeah. a hark back to the song before isn't it yeah and the sky is a hazy shade of winter. Yeah, it's a really well produced record. Yeah, great harmony, big drum sound on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fantastic, actually. I really like that. I I've enjoyed a, listening to that. I spent a spell listening to it incredibly loud on headphones. Yeah, over and over and over and yeah, over. It lends again, itself. It's to just that. like yeah, big. it's just there. Um, and then mm. we arrive. Sadly, 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 we arrive at the zoo. Yeah, Z for do. zoo. Yeah. A to Z of the album. Yeah. So we've come we to do. the end. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Oh, I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, I know I Paul yeah. Simon's hey. sort of disowned it, but I think it's I great. absolutely love it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's so happy. It feels like uh, Yellow Submarine or Octopus's Garden. Or it feels yeah. like it, it's, it does. It's, it's, a, it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. You know, so we do um, it's almost like a George Orwell kind of yeah. metaphor. But musically, it's good. It's light-hearted. It wears that lightly. So and it works as a you know as a kind of oh, hang on what's he singing about here but but also just as a record as a yeah. pop record as a song I think it's really good hear it on lots of compilations I hear him do it live um, and as I say I know he's sort of maybe maybe he's not as as keen on it but I am I think it's yeah, absolutely great, great. great so I think that that side actually um, you're faking it Punky's dilemma Mrs Robinson Hazy Shade of Winter and at the zoo. You can tell that they're recorded in and around different times, but that hangs together as a, as a, as a piece. Yeah. Uh, as well as the concept. The concept is bleak. It's not dark so much as bleak. It's just bleak. It is, it, isn't it? it, it I, it, found, it I found it really quite and, like... And unremittingly so. Yeah. And whereas actually the bleakness on side two, which thematically is echoed, 
It's but this because humor. of the production, because of the lightness of touch, because of the time spent writing to yeah. some extent. Yeah. yeah. That it's leavened. Yeah. And I think that potentially what you see is the initial writing is is bleak. And actually that, that humour, that softness comes with rewrites and time. Yeah. And so you just need to say, you need another six months of, of tinkering yeah. with these things. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think it's a great album um, in, in a lot of ways. I haven't enjoyed it as much as I thought I would. Mm. I, I've got to be honest. I, ha- I haven't enjoyed it as much as I thought I would. Um, there's a lot of great things about it, and there's two or three on questions two or three of the best songs ever. I almost prefer the album before, and I'm really surprised to, 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 to say that. Yeah. You know, I, I almost I do. It doesn't quite, something doesn't quite click on this for me in, in, in the way that I thought it did. Um, As in, if you, took, if you made an EP yeah. <laughs> from this album, yeah. it would be yeah. sensational. Yeah, it would. But the things that aren't good are really not good. Yeah. It just, and it's just that, it, it can be, I think it's not a hard listen if it's just glossing past, but mm. once you're digging into it, once you're digging it becomes into it, a hard listen. It, yeah, it is, and it's, it's, it fits and starts, you know, so you've sort of got half a concept album, then you've got a couple of singles from 18 months before, then you've got a couple of rejects from a soundtrack album that were written kind of to order, um, and then you've got one that's a massive hit album yeah. from a soundtrack that's that, and it's it's just kind of all over, all over in that sense, yeah. and it's it's quite difficult to get to. And I think as well you can you can hear that he's sort of struggling struggling or struggled with writer's block at some point in it as well. Because yeah. um, right, I'm saying that, and then how can I how can I explain it? But this, ironic, yeah, exactly. It is. Talker's block. Talker's block. <laughs> <laughs> no, talker's block. It happened with Sting, and there's there's a there's a difference with his writing before and after, and as he's coming out of writer's mm. block that, that that that's there, and you can you can kind of hear there's an often with people there's an initial batch of songs they do, and then they have to almost reinvent. Yeah, and I think that this record sits right on the edge of that, right on the edge of it. So you get the precursor of things that he's going to go on to do. Mrs. Robinson is very like Graceland, but. And so in that context, it's interesting then to think if he has had a dip, dropped, and mm. is climbing, mm. it suggests an oncoming peak. <laughs> yeah, well, quite. And so join us next time on the Dangling Conversation when we discuss, well, it's a pretty good album. It's not too bad. <laughs> not too bad. <laughs> we'll see you then. Thanks. Bye.